0: How to Dream, Cowboys.
1: Welcome back to the HBO, boys. This is our recap and review of the Series finale of Raised by Wolves. I'm James. That was Ryan. This episode is entitled. Should I have had this keyed up. Yeah, don't wait for me on this one. The Beginning, which is ironic because it's actually the ending. It's the end. That's why that's funny. Ridley Scott's son, Luke Scott, and written by Aaron
0: Guzikowski. I liked you combining the word series and season. And deciding which one it was, actually. Right. It is not the series end, as they have gotten a second season almost only halfway through, really. And Lovecraft still hasn't. The ninth episode... I believe, premiering as we record this. But yeah, uh, HBO desperately wants to keep Ridley Scott around. And HBO Max, apparently the flagship show for it, is Raised by Wolves. One of fluctuating quality. And they
1: they had an interesting release schedule of what, putting out two episodes a week. I don't think any show has ever done that in the past. Two yeah. episodes a week.
0: It feels like a show coming out of a laboratory where they were just like, let's try the weird shit. We've always wanted to try with a show. Ridley Scott doesn't care. We gave him a second season and a boatload of cash. We can do whatever we want. A lot of people have been
1: discussing how the Mandalorian coming out week by week has perhaps killed the Netflix model of dropping everything all at once because that model does not get you a prolonged social media conversation the way mm. releasing a show week by week does.
0: If The Mandalorian is what did this to me with the great British bake-off, I am infuriated. <laughs> I, I want, they just released the bread episode. Okay. I get to the end of it. The star baker gets announced and then I'm like, okay, I want the next one. I can watch all seasons of The Office, all nine of them, if I wanted to right in a row. Sure, I would die of exhaustion, but I have that option. Okay. I want Crepes week and I want it now. But I do I think I like the
1: weekly release model because it it builds a level of anticipa- anticipation. And HBO has always done it that way until HBO Max. Now it's what, two episodes a week. It's still serialized, but not not like uh, I've heard the, the Netflix uh
0: model described as pump and dump, where it's just like, Alright, here's your show. So, yeah, it feels like a meeting that at the end they were like okay well let's just do something that's in the middle of that okay we won't release all 10 at once we'll just like throw 2 at them see how many people watch throw 3 see how many people watch i just we're, we are being experimented on in real time with fiction that I, I i feel like what they don't take into account is the people who watched episode 2 of raised by wolves and was like huh. That was not as good as the first one. and then they get the numbers back and they're like, oh man, if we release two at once, people do not watch three and four and <laughs> some guy in the background would be like that could be because it was bad like no, definitely not because it was bad. okay Travis idiot. So before we get into the season
1: finale, good job um, I should mention that we have a patreon. And if you join that for a dollar or more a month, you get bonus content, a patrons-only Discord chat, so you can chat with Ryan and I, and uh, and you get your name shouted out at the end of each show. That is so incredibly true. Episode 10, I think you messaged me earlier in the week when you had watched
0: it off the bat, and you said that you liked it. I said I relatively liked it. And it was relative to eight and nine oh really seven and eight that was I mean I was falling asleep during episode eight and it was in the middle of the day on a full night's rest so it, it, it was by itself making me tired nine was an uptick as a penultimate episode has every right to be it is reaching a climax of a season and then ten I think actually did a decent job but here's the problem Episodes 9 and 10 of any season are going to be at least slightly better, right? You're getting stories at least a little bit sewn up. You're getting moments that you've been waiting for, even if the path there has put you to sleep. And I read an article that said that Aaron Guzikowski, I believe that's his name. Is his name Alex Guzakowski? I don't know. His name is Aaron. I got it right the first time. Trust your gut, Ryan. I read a thing that said that he has six epi- uh, six series in mind, six seasons, and he knows the end already. Which, ah, uh, okay. Six seasons, huh? In a movie, perhaps? Yeah, they're just taking all their cues from Abed. That's exactly right. He actually wrote this show by his goddamn self. But yeah, I mean, I mean, do you have a sentence long review on episode 10? Did you hate it? (laughs) I hated it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into it. Sentence long review. It stinks. (laughs) Oh, well, I, I listen. I, there was a huge eye roll from me at the end, at least. And, uh, but there were moments that I really much enjoyed. So, I don't know, let's bounce around the episode and just talk about the plot points, because a few of them I thought were at least satisfactory, although I will say, at the end, my eyes were, uh, I think, on the direct back of my skull, I could see behind me. So they're all
1: on the lander and they're going somewhere, mother has had a vision or something off screen that she needs to go somewhere to have the baby, it's very magical. They just go into a random spot. Like, she doesn't even say, like, it has to be this spot because, no, it's just this spot.
0: Right. Prophecies don't need to answer questions from you, James, okay? The naysayers' questions don't need to be answered when just, like, God told you so? After they land,
1: Mother and Father basically break up over the fact that Mother had sex with Campion Sturgis in a dream in the Matrix and made a baby. And... And I was just wondering, like, were they ever really together? I don't think they really they had like a professional working relationship, it seemed to me. I don't know why, again, why if you were programming robots would you give them, you know, uh, the option to be monogamous or feel jealousy? Yeah. But father father walks off and abandons Campy and all the other kids, which I thought was completely out of character and just yep. like a stupid thing to have happen.
0: Would never happen. Completely out of character. Only written for a moment of tension at the beginning of the episode. Father is Bay, okay? And he's the best character on the show. And in the past, the other characters on the show have mistreated him. But in this moment, it was the creator. Because th- this is, I just don't believe, I agree with you. That father would have just abandoned Campion because mom was being mean and had sex with a dream creator in a tube. Oh. Right, she had sex with a ghost in a dream. <laughs> How goddamn dare you, mother.
1: Meanwhile, uh Marcus is wandering aimlessly through the landscape, tripping balls because he has, you know, the machine in his ear or something. Pretty boring, all the scenes with Marcus in them until the very end.
0: Yeah, just assume Marcus is in the general vicinity because he saw the lander at some point. So he's just like an ominous walking plot line towards the crew of people, most of which we did enjoy up until recently when father left. Oh, and by the way, Campion is jealous of this new baby that's going to come a baby that sue says is a humdinger and is gonna be like a real powerful nuclear kind of baby and campion is real mad which like i don't know relatable when my brother got home from the hospital i covered him with a blanket for like a week because i assumed if no one could see him he didn't exist turns out that didn't occur blankets can be taken off of people so i agree campion okay Your unborn child's brother and or sister and or amorphous. You know, I'm not going to get into what it actually eventually is because that's like a small. Yeah, but everyone assumes this is going to be an atomic super baby because it's mother's baby. Exactly. And Campion is real, real annoyed with her. And I am in turn annoyed with him, although I have been for 10 episodes. He's a very annoying character.
1: Campion and Tempest and Holly and little girl. What's her name?
0: Vita, Zeta, Vita. Yeah, uh, you they don't have much Zeta? to do in this episode. What are you doing? The <laughs> Athenian goddamn alphabet.
1: They they just kind of you know reacting to the other characters doing stuff. But I gotta say, Hunter quickly becoming my favorite character just mm-hmm. because he's really chilled out since betraying father, and now he he's has just like an arc. nice and helpful. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> he might be one of the only characters who's like. Changed due to consequences of his own actions. The characters who are having things happen
1: to them. Uh, Paul is now like hearing the voice of Soul, who's like moved on from Marcus, and now is like telling Paul stuff. He wants Paul to sabotage the ship so they don't leave, and uh, and Sue is like trying to stop him. So Sue is now like getting in the the crosshairs of Sol because she's like. Impeding whatever he it is he's trying to get Paul to do.
0: Paul at some point was just talking to his mouse, and then said to his mouse, "Quote, go on, stretch your legs, do some pooping," which was, I assume, the best line not only of this episode, not only of this season, but the entire show. Will be six episodes. Will be six seasons into this show. Thinking back on every line that's ever been said, and we'll be thinking. Not one has overtaken stretch your legs, do some pooping. That is if we keep doing a podcast about this show. If it hasn't completely enraged
1: James. Mother walks away from their little campsite and she gets attacked by one of the creatures. But this one's dressed up like the nomad we saw in previous episodes. And has like a face. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like less of a creature. Not exactly a human but, right, this one tries to stab Mother in the back, but she has the reflexes of a cat. She's like a goddamn cat. She turns around and she's like, I might be pregnant, but I'm faster than you, bitch. <laughs> and then, you know, it's uh, it looks like Zordon from Power Rangers, but in a person's body. And then inside of its
1: little bag is the skull of a Neanderthal, which I... It's extremely Fine. random, whatever. And fa- father's like, "Oh, this isn't a fossil or something. It's it's recent. So the, there's humans came to this planet in the past, and now they're they're devolving into monsters. And so that means that the kids have been eating humans for the
0: past couple of, uh, weeks. <laughs> yeah, and and very quickly they're just like, maybe we don't tell them that." Let's keep that to ourselves, perhaps. If they find out they've been cannibals this entire time, it might negatively affect them. But yeah... Well, I don't uh, really think it's cannibalism to eat a monster evolved from
1: humanity, right? Like... I mean, this is a yeah, great I mean, it, It's sort of, in my mind, kind of like eating a gorilla. Like, not morally good. But it's not the same as eating a
0: person. I mean... they didn't know james which is why they're not at fault but also you know it might not mentally scar them but just it's going to affect them on a day-to-day basis as it should you shouldn't get that news and be like is what it is like ryan my question to you is is it morally acceptable to eat a werewolf i have two questions for you number one when was the last time you ate a werewolf this is you you're positing you you feels like you need me to validate you because you've recently <laughs> eaten werewolves and this is just like a is it okay to eat a werewolf okay here's one thing in this fiction story that you're writing when you shoot a werewolf to kill it and then eat it afterwards after you, you know does it change back into a human okay as well, I'm uh, as I I'm wonder, cooking yeah. it is it the werewolf <laughs> I got a lot of very specific logistic questions about you know what Perhaps we revisit this at the end, but also, yeah, I don't know if it's if it's delicious. <laughs> Paul's storyline
1: comes to a head where like he somehow learns the entire truth of what happened to Marcus and Sue from those voices in his head, and he even calls Sue Mary, which is her oh, original name, and uh, she she tries to talk him down, and and. And I guess, you know, Paul's like in shock and he's hearing voices or whatever, but it's like, what the fuck? You killed my awful parents who hated me and tortured me and then replaced them with loving people?
0: I'll kill you for that. I'm one of those loving people recently stabbed one of those other loving people. One of the one of said loving people again is going absolutely batshit insane in the desert. Okay. It's not like all hunky dory where everything is going super well i understand from paul's perspective why he'd be like i think this fucking shit and like my entire life has been a lie and this is kind of over but he's getting brainwashed by whatever the f is actually talking to him in his brain whether it be a real god uh a ai that is controlling everything on the planet or through them or don't um, campion stir like fucking throw a omnipotent being out of the wall for whoever is talking to paul right now he's a confused little boy tells his mouse to go take dumps which is hilarious but at the same time like you're uh, assumably about to say he shoots his goddamn new mom so i don't know if i'm rooting for
1: paul anymore and and this was a dramatic scene but it was somewhat undermined by like The fact that, uh, pretty bad, pretty bad acting
0: from the child actor who plays Paul. Which is a bummer because he had been doing well up until now. And then you give him like a really meaty scene and it didn't go incredibly well. The thing that made me angry during this scene was that what was all the foreshadowing for Marcus to be looking at the scalpel and then looking at Sue for a fucking half a season? Like, if this is the way that Sue is gonna. And I was like, well, someone has to die. This is a season one finale where I felt like it would make sense for a never come back kind of death occurring and then sue gets shot and i was like that does make sense but it's not the satisfactory way i wanted her to die i wanted marcus to stab her with that scalpel so that me looking at the scalpel through marcus's eyes for half a goddamn season would be i don't know making sense at all or satisfactory goddamn son of it
1: i don't think sue dies here i'm sure she'll. oh no, she
0: definitely two. doesn't <laughs> this is not stannis <laughs> you know they don't cut away when he gets his head chopped off spoiler alert she gets shot, and then at the end, they just, like, don't say what happened, so she's definitely gonna live, it's stupid.
1: So, th- we're only at, like, the halfway mark of the episode, and-, and the rest of the show is devoted to, like, what happens with Mother, and and, and things happen, like, pretty suddenly, so... Mother wanders away from the camp and finds what appears to be the remains of an alien. The remains of an alien. The same alien, maybe, that was, like, trapped in the box from her vision the other day. Right?
0: Yes. From the vision. So it would infer that said vision happened in the past. And somehow she was able to see said past. So whoever all those hooded people were standing around who we now perhaps know are humans that came here in the way way past and are now devolving and they were surrounding this pentagonal i don't know if it was a deity or not i mean obviously not because it's dead now so she walks up on that shit and she's like oh boy i don't know if this is good bad i'm not sure what to feel about any of this as does the audience
1: this causes her to go into labor And she gives birth through her mouth to a flying snake. And at this point, I was just thinking, like, this show has gone so off the rails, man. We're really far from episode one now. Yes.
0: I desperately, in this moment, was like, I wish she had her eyes back so she could start fucking shit up again. And being a character... I mean, to be fair, she did just, like, stab somebody. But I'll also say, like, when the... Snake came out of her mouth. I was like, Okie dokie. So this is not a Campion Sturgis thing. This is a someone put this inside her body when she was passed out at some point. Yeah. And a it was obviously. She got someone... she got tricked.
1: The same way Marcus yes. got tricked.
0: Yes. So But right in this moment I was like, God, it's a snake. Right? Like the Jesus mm allegory is just kind of like this show doesn't do subtlety right the allegory but at the same time i certainly didn't see this coming (laughs) no me either i didn't assume the birth which by the way sci-fi births happen at the worst times but i did not see a snake coming out of mother's mouth and by the way not a small snake snake gigantic and it's assumably what the bones around the entire planet have been this entire time right Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's the baby version of that I guess so Ryan and I glossed over it but there was like another scene of of mother and father bickering earlier where father's like well I'm just if you're not gonna date me I'll just erase my memories then very melodramatic Uh, just he's so upset that he was friend zoned by mother but after the birth, they they kind of decide to set aside their differences. Mother's like, hey, I got tricked. I accidentally gave birth to a horrible snake monster, which now can fly and probably make people explode. Whoopsie. <laughs> uh, we need to kill it. Father's like, let's throw it down the hole. And she's like, that won't work. It can fly. He's like, okay, well, let's take the lander and we'll fly into the planet's core and we'll all, you know, kamikaze and, and kill the snake. Mm. And mother's like, you would do that for me? And they kind of make up.
0: Yeah, perfect plan. I did love so much when father said, we'll throw it in the pit. And then she was like, we can't throw it in the pit. This bitch flies. And father was like, oh, fuck. Well, murder, suicide, huh? And mother was like, I love you. That's the only choice. So Campion
1: watches helplessly as the lander flies down into the pits. And we finally see that the pits do indeed go all the way To the planet's molten rock core. And there's, you know, the one scene that worked for me, which is where mother and father are about to die and they think fondly back on all the happy memories they had with their kids. And then they say goodbye to each other. And it's a lot like the end of Toy Story 3. It's a lot like, oh my God.
0: Toy Story (laughs) 3, that ending ruined me. When the horse was trying to get up, but then they all give up and hold hands. Wow, what a better piece of entertainment than the. Raised by wolves finale. Anyway, yeah. But you you can they, see
1: the similarities though there, right? Cause they're, of course they're two I can. Non-humans and they're about to be melted in lava. Yeah. But and then. Holding hands.
0: Yes, but then Buzz Lightyear and Woody don't go through the center of a planet. Uh, again, like throwing one more apple into the Jesus allegory and the center of the planet being, you know, the rebirth and or like, the ovum of the story, where they go through that shit, and then they are...
1: No, right. surprise. And, and to your point, visually, it looks like like a spermatoa flying into an egg, kind of. Yeah.
0: At this point, I, I wrote down, I was like, someone has to die. I'm taking bets now. And I was like, okay, is father going to be dying? I was like, I'm getting the strange feeling that he's going to die. And if he does, I'm over it. But then he goes to the center of the... Uh, kepler 22b and doesn't i was like okay, okay father's gonna live forever perfect and i was like is mother gonna die I was like no she's the whole show is sue gonna die i mean she's been shot already easy dead should be out of there paul i think he sadly lives his character has gotten more annoying not campion levels annoying and oh, by the way campion too annoying to die that's how I felt about Carl the first three or four seasons of Walking Dead. I was like, I'd love for him to be dead, but he's way too annoying to be dead. I just know that for a fact. And then Marcus, I think Travis Femmel will make it because he is like the largest star in the show. And I was like, if one of these people don't die, one of the people that I just mentioned, if they don't die, that will be wholly disappointing, like the finale. Wow. You know what? I came into this not naysaying at all. Your general negative attitude is really weighing <laughs> me down.
1: Well, to talk about Marcus again, his final scene is that, and this, you know, also a little bit of a surprise. He runs into a landing party of atheists. We know they're atheists because they have the Mike Tyson face tattoo. Yes. And he kills them all, and he calls up to the mothership, and he's like, I'm the king of Kepler-22b, so you better do what I say. And the guy on the radio is like, you sound pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. And we have a whole arc or... And your arc smashed into a goddamn mountain, so... it Wouldn't it be awesome? I know this can't happen because... Uh, probably won't happen because of, like, what happens next. But wouldn't it be amazing if, Ru- if Mother got on the Atheist Arc and crashed it into a fucking mountain? <laughs> well, it's just
1: too t- too shitty that, like, the situation devolved so rapidly. If Mark and Sue had just, like, held out, like, the cavalry the the atheists who, you know, not exactly a good faction, but l- at least probably less insane than the Mithraics would have shown up and taken over the situation.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean listen, at this point Marcus is the Antichrist, right? Like yeah, he's Satan or Judas or one of the goddamn people who are not on Jesus' side as a man, a woman, and a serpent uh now exist. And, you know, we're we're, right. and we're just slamming uh, hammers into allegorical noses. Just so subtle. Just, just, God, this show's subtle as fuck.
1: So Campion's, like, looking down the, the shaft of the tunnel. I, I wish mean, I somebody pushed him in. He seems to, like, get the look on his face, like, okay, now I'm over it. And then all the other characters are looking at Campion, and it's like, I know Tempest and Hunter are older and smarter than you, but you should be the leader.
0: Yeah. Campion's the de facto leader of this of this party fucking why that's like if Rick died season one of Walking Dead and I keep bringing up Carl because Carl sucks so much I don't know if y'all walked watched Walking Dead but he was the worst child's character in a TV show that I had ever seen until I met Campion of Raised by Wolves but they were like they turned to him an eight-year-old been like you have no experience whatsoever leading men and or women but you're in charge, you motherfucker. And I know it'll be great. So we, the the lander passes through the core and goes up
1: and out of a hole on the other side of the planet. So, like, you know, Kepler-22B's Australia. And they fly out. And uh, I don't know exactly why, but mother and father are like, okay, well, now let's ditch the lander. And then maybe it'll crash and kill the snake. And the last we see mother and father, they're like flying out of the cockpit to their doom. Right. And they're and now
0: they... in the, hmm. the the zone, zone near guess, the equator. Yeah. yeah. Very Garden of Eden. Looks like a garden of sorts, huh? So now we got a goddamn flying robot eating and people eating some murder snake. And he's gigantic. And he's flying off into the goddamn sunset. And there's the snake psychic. Has it been the thing talking to everybody? I think the alien
1: that set this all up, set them all up to fail, is is psychic or whatever. Communicating from beyond the grave.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. You know, so I got to the end of this and I was thinking a few things. Like One, with this pandemic, they're really mm-hmm. going to have a tough time shooting this show and not having all the children characters age out. Like, I don't know when right. they can just start or shooting they this should, again. They
1: could maybe do a time jump and have all the little kids be adults in the next season. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and if there is a next season, are we going to be watching it? Like, I think it has to have, like, a temporary... Like, we have to do, like, Raised by Wolves Season 2, Episode 1, with a caveat of, like, if this sucks, I'm not going to keep doing this. Because uh, like five or six hours of this show felt like a complete waste of time. And listen, like, the visual of them going through the core of the, uh, I keep wanting to say the Earth, Kepler-22b, and that moment was really good, and the visuals were really great, and the music was really great, and Amanda Collin as mother was killing it, and other than that one thing Father did this episode that was completely out of character, completely written incorrectly, and the creator of this show should feel bad about himself, other than that, like... There were moments in the finale and penultimate episode that were very, very, very positive, but I don't know the when the snake flew off into the sky. I was like,
1: right, yeah. The stinger the of this episode is, is so that the snake comes out of the pod and flies out into the
0: the sun, and, and it's the it's the like the size of the sun itself. It's immediately gigantic. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I assume we'll watch season two. It's like, well, it depends on what's on, right? Like,
0: seriously, what's running
1: against it. <laughs> if it's running on on its own, yeah, sure. I think we'll, I will probably watch it either way.
0: I'm gonna give it a shot. Okay, season two, episode one needs to needs to impress me. I must be impressed. And by the way, like this show, when I look back in retrospective, you know, I watched the episode 10 uh almost a week ago now i think about it having an amazing pilot having a center having a a a mid-run uh you know like chapters or the middle chapters of a book all of which felt uh like they didn't matter or they just weren't interesting enough for me to care and then by the end of it they got to a place where they were trying to get to in the first place which was the jesus allegory that was a hundred percent on the nose and we still don't know why tally's face is on the hooded people or like if that's i assume it's just part of the psychic thing but we don't exactly know what the psychic thing is all about it could be the snake it could not be What is kepler 22 be how who got here first Uh, you know it doesn't also like that's the question the big question at the end of the season, other than how the fuck that snake came in there. But I don't know if I care. Do you care? hmm Uh,
1: well, I, I kind of know, actually, how the snake got in there. Um, how? Because Ridley Scott and Aaron Guzikowski did an interview with the New York Times last week, where they explained the ending of the show, more or less.
0: Why?
1: Why? Um... Tell us. Well, I mean, tell me how the let's, fucking let's, snake got Let's, let's there. do that as a reading series t- to end this episode, because we're, you know, we're only 30 minutes in, but well, I mean... No, tell me now. <laughs> well, I just want to say, like, for the final thoughts on this season, like, I just, you know, again, episode one was amazing. It was all downhill from there. Uh, the show had a ton of potential, and I just feel like it was wheel spinning, and it reminds me of, and I mentioned this on, on other shows that we've done, like, the the Marvel, the MCU shows on Netflix were just, like, way too fucking long. They were 13 episodes long and nothing would happen. And I think, you know, if this wasn't going to be a movie, then it could have been, like, a three-part miniseries. And you just could have hit the good parts without the, the bullshit in between.
0: Right. Except for that's not what they bought. They bought a television show that the creator claims is going to be six seasons long. So, yeah. 60 hours, unless they Game of Thrones this shit and start giving them eight episodes or six episodes. And you might have hit the head, uh, have hit, the nail on the head with the time jump thing that might have to happen. Just because these kids are not going to be the age they are for very long. They are all going to be like 8,000 years old in 20 seconds when the pandemic allows them to actually start filming again. So... I, I, and and then he says he has the gall to say I, wrote an, I read the interview where he said that i know how it ends and he I was like you assume i care and and do we think
1: are they going to go for six seasons what's your uh, what's your over under on that
0: so they gave them the second season not because people were watching it they gave them the second season because they want to keep ridley scott around they want to be able to say, hey, Ridley, anything you want to make, HBO will buy. You keep making money. So will they get to six seasons? I think is a byproduct of does the second or third season of Raised by Wolves tank? Because I assume that it's an, a, a large investment. I assume this is an expensive show to make. Uh, but may, Perhaps I'm wrong, but like it. It felt like this was a portion of the Game of Thrones money that they weren't giving to anyone else anymore, obviously, because David and Dan left Game of Thrones on the wayside. They threw it to the curb, and then HBO threw money at Ridley Scott and was like, listen, we need some big names. We need a big show to be the foundation of HBO Max. So, And also, by the way, whatever else you want to make, HBO Max is the home for you. Here's uh, a Cruise Liner full of money buddy uh but i mean answering your question at the end of a weird long sentence that doesn't mean anything uh no i don't think this gets to six seasons but fucking maybe i don't know maybe it will prove me wrong perhaps
1: okay so this comes from the new york times last week uh jennifer vineyard interviewing both ridley scott and aaron Guzikowski. and i, I won't read the whole thing but uh you know uh, we'll, we'll take it a bit by bit uh, so it starts outside of a failed pilot in 2013. It had been 50 years since Ridley Scott sat in the director's chair for a TV series. Uh, and the, 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 the 50 year old plot was for, for a show called the Vatican, uh, in 2013, which had a pilot that nobody picked up.
0: Okay. Yeah. It it took a TV show that was basically a movie to get him back
1: and money. Scott has spent most of his career in film and commercials, with his TV work generally limited to executive producing series like The Good Wife and The Terror, among others. That changed after he read the pilot script for Raised by Wolves. Yes, because it was a good pilot script.
0: (laughs) That's true. Great pilot. I will never take that away from this generally okay show. The
1: writer, Aaron Guzikowski, had submitted the project for production consideration, and while the story spoke to Scott's sensibilities, he worried about repeating himself, quote, My tendency to think, I don't want to go down that road of androids again, said Scott, the creator of Blade Runner and the Alien series. I try not to play the old music. Okay, if you say so. You made a lot of Alien movies.
0: <laughs> and then The Martian. And, which by the way, it didn't have any robots in it, but it still was in fucking space. You're a spaceman, okay? You're in the twilight of your career. And, which is, by the way, we know the end of this. The end of it is like, okay, I'll go to space once more. Let's do it. But by the time Scott had finished reading the pilot, he had changed his mind. It's a very
1: rare bird, this story, he said. I thought, oh my god, I've got to do this. I've got to set the pace and direct the pilot. Yeah. And it was a good pilot. We're talking a lot about the pilot.
0: Yeah. Did he see the rest?
1: He immediately started storyboarding and designing costumes, spaceships,
0: and more, and he ended up directing the first two episodes. Two pretty good episodes. And then he closed his eyes, put his hands on his ears, and screamed until it was over.
1: In separate phone interviews, Scott in Ireland, resuming production on his latest film, The Latest The Last Duel, and Guzikowski in California discussed the show's finale, which debuted Thursday on HBO Max. It's a brand of psychosexual horror and some course corrections that will be made in season two. These what? are edited experts from their conversations.
0: What? Psychosexual?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a poorly written sentence. That's a, a bad, of psycho-sexual stupid psychosexual and some course corrections that will be made in season two. Huh.
0: That's almost as confusing as this season of television. Keep going.
1: So uh, they congratulate them on season two. And Aaron Guzikowski says, I can't spell it all out now because the show is so much mystery. But we have a multi-season plan that will illuminate a lot of stuff. It's like a big haunted house and it's about the people who lived there before. Or all the rooms you haven't seen the inside of. The backyard you haven't seen yet.
0: Why are you doing that voice?
1: Because I just want to differentiate him from, from the, the Ridley Scott voice I'm doing. And I, okay. I assume he's some kind of dork.
0: Oh, that's, oh, you're doing your dork voice. Okay. Okay. I thought it was bigoted, but I was wrong.
1: Ridley Scott says, This planet had life on it prior to these people's arrival. When they arrive on the planet, the androids discovered that there is dinosaur skeletons of a serpent. And essentially, we, we assume these massive creatures were like eye dinosaurs and died off. And we discovered that there are other forms of life on the planet- And then Mother creates a new life with one of the serpents. Then Guzikowski says, Mother and Father think the giant skull is from an extinct creature, but not realizing that someday Mother would give birth to one and reintroduce it to the world and reactivate the planet. You're seeing all the iconic elements, the serpent, the garden, Adam and Eve, but now they're not versions we know. We subvert expectations a little bit. There it is. Oh,
0: fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you, Aaron. How dare you, dude. I have never wanted to hear the phrase subverting expectations ever again. Daniel and David have ruined that phrase for me. <laughs> um, uh, the interviewer. Let's
1: talk about the serpent. Its birth alone through the mouth is disturbing. But can you clarify how an android is able to get pregnant and give birth to a serpent in the first place? So here, we, This is what I was mentioning before. They explain it all right here. Uh,
0: and if this had been asking Jonah and Lisa Nolan, they would have exactly answered... Well, <laughs> excuse me, but I'm not gonna fucking tell you that. <laughs> you can't get yes, that out uh, of us, of course. Us. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they would have done that, but it not. It's Aaron Guzikowski who's like, I will tell you everything, and I fucking shouldn't. Obviously, I should just be like, Oh no, no, that's some inside baseball, and it will perhaps ruin the show for some people. But keep going, sure.
1: Right, here's the explanation. It's kind of a weird thing because it's almost like she's been digitally impregnated with information, as it were. While she was communing with her creator in a virtual space, basically having sex in the simulation, something else got inside and downloaded her drive with information about how to build a new being. In essence, Mother is like a 3D printer. Her body starts to work on that digital information and decides that it needs more organic compounds. But because she's an android, her body could download that information and make something out of it. Her body was never designed to give birth, though, so it has to improvise a bit to get the thing out of her. The birth is pretty wild. It never fails to disturb me. So Mother 3D printed a half-organic cyborg snake. She got a computer (sighs) virus, and it made a cyborg snake inside of her. So actually, Carl the Robot was the closest.
0: If Carl the Robot was the actual father, this show might be... Watchable. Perfect, actually. Perfection. Bring back Carl. Carl and Father. I want a show that's only Carl and Father for six seasons... And then uh, I'll be fully on board. I will rewatch the episodes. You can put ads in them. I'll rewatch the ads multiple times. I, I just want that show so badly.
1: Guzikowski goes on. The serpent can also fly because it has traits that Mother passed down to it, so it's slightly different from the monsters that have come before. Right, oh so.
0: my god! No other serpents could fly, but it's fifty percent robot moms that, so it can fly. I fucking hate that. But like mother can only
1: fly with the eyes. Does the, if you take the snake's eyes out, does it become a harmless, enormous snake?
0: I no yeah, right. I I'm sure Campion will do that. The leader of the ragtag group of rebels. I mean, this on the snake is Campion's
1: brother, kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, hey, Campion, how do you feel that your ste- your stepbrother is a flying murder snake? And honestly, I root for the flying murder snake more than i root for your acceptance by this world and just like i i hope the flying murder snake screams at you and you explode i mean what the fuck else do you say about this show james like <laughs> uh
1: the interviewer asked ridley scott you vowed not to read criticism for your work after blade runner has that changed now that you've moved back into directing television scott says no I knew I had done something special with Blade Runner. I knew it was very challenging in terms of the world that I'd done and the the story we were telling, but I thought I'd nailed it. I didn't expect such vitriolic criticism. I was slaughtered by Pauline Kale. She never even met me. What you've taught me was to never read critique again, because you have to be your own critic. So he's still upset about a bad review he got. He's very upset.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He brought up her by name, and no, he won't read any of the rest of the critic. You don't have to worry about that, Ridley Scott, okay? I think 5,000 well, I mean, people. That, that could be total. why he's,
1: he's, he's got a lot of the same problems in a lot of his movies. Because
0: he doesn't read any of the press about it. I mean, Listen, he's a bit of a hit or miss. The Martian is one of my favorite movies. Period. Mm-hmm. The Gladiator, or Gladiator as they call it inside the biz. One best picture. I truly hope they don't make Gladiator 2 like they're thinking about doing. Perhaps The Last Duel will be good. Alien was really like again he's done so many things that are so iconic like iconically good but he didn't write or create this show the show yeah. is one that he stepped in on and directed two episodes and then now he's pretending like he's a huge part of it's just a weird lie perpetrated by HBO to get people to watch the show I mean, it is a bit of a bit in Switch, huh?
1: Because Ridley Scott's name is all
0: over this, but after the first two episodes, he himself is not. They even said, the man's in London. He directed the second episode, and then he went away. He left California and hasn't been back since. This dude was not sitting in the goddamn editing base. This dude wasn't getting dailies at the end by his son, who was directing the majority of it. Uh Like... They they slapped his name on there because they knew it would get some people to watch. You know, it got me to watch, so they succeeded. Right.
1: All right, so skipping down a little bit, uh, the interview asks, what's the deal with androids and milk? Guzikowski answered, <laughs> when I pitched this to Ridley, I told him that I had androids with black blood, and he said, why black blood? And I said, well, I didn't want to rip you off, basically, and he was like, don't worry about that. So we have this connection to android characters he's previously created, and there's just such a visceral reaction to the white blood, the milk, all the places that it takes in the brain. Ridley is a master of creating those gut reactions. So basically, Aaron Guzikowski's like, oh, I was going to go in a different direction, and Ridley Scott's like, nah, nah. Just, let's no, it no. No, no, no.
0: If I'm going to set <laughs> foot on this set, it's going to be in my universe. Uh, Scott goes on to say,
1: On Alien, I was in the room with Sigourney Weaver, who was just being attacked by Ian Holm as an android. His acting was just sublime, the character was on the verge of completely losing it and getting violent, and I just said to myself, does anybody have an eyedropper full of milk? And the makeup department brought out an eyedropper, and then I got the milk, and I reached out, and I put a drop of milk above his eye, and then it started rolling, and as it dropped down across his eye, it freaked everyone out, and I thought, do androids have white blood like milk of magnesia? Is that why my androids are milky white inside? And for mother, I thought, should I use that again? And I thought it works great. (laughs) So, yeah, he used it again. Jesus (laughs) Christ.
0: Is he doing this interview from a padded room? Like, is he he in a straitjacket? He sounds like a crazy person.
1: Uh, One of the last questions. The show has had some very female-centric themes, but critics have noted the lack of female input. Are you looking to hire some female or non-binary directors for season two? Kuzikowski, yeah, that's absolutely our goal. We wanted to do it for season one. We're working on it now, and we're going to do everything possible to find those people and get them in the
0: director's chair. (laughs) We wanted to do season one, but we didn't at all. And also, by the way, Ridley told his you know son that he could do
1: it well it's interesting so, so guzikowski says that and scott says that certainly can happen it's all about who can deliver so guzikowski's like yes we're we're gonna make we're it we're definitely gonna uh, do that and ridley's inclusive like, and scott's like maybe we'll see maybe women aren't as
0: good a director as me basically so that's what he just said last question Given that it's the future, why do people
1: still have mullets? How did space mullets happen? Kuzikowski, it just happened. Everybody just had these mullets one day. I don't know what to make of it at first, but very quickly I was like, this feels right.
0: What <laughs> the fuck are these two people talking about?
1: Like, I, I, like, I, So, so like the, the actor showed up on set with mullets and he was like, it's all coming together. Yeah, this
0: is going to be a perfect show. Ridley, what do you think? Ridley? Rid- where oh, does Ridley go? He's <laughs> gone. He's gone. And then Luke Luke Scott walks up and like, I love the mullets. Mullets are great. <laughs> Action. Uh, dad's dad's
1: filming up he said he's going to film a better movie, uh, but he said I could I could direct two
0: episodes. <laughs> yeah. Which two? It doesn't matter. He told me to just do the shit in the middle.
1: Alright, so yeah, uh we got some answers there. How mother gave birth to a snake baby, uh why everyone has a mullet. Um
0: Yeah, the real hard-hitting questions.
1: Ridley Scott hasn't read a, uh, uh, a review of one of his movies in 40 years
0: yeah but he hasn't also slept in those 40 years really mulling <laughs> oh, over he just that never last
1: forgave one that one woman who gave blade runner a bad review
0: you walk into his basement and just like written in his own blood is the word Polly on the wall is that her name whatever her name is he's written it in hit, hit with his own excrement and blood on just all over the wall i mean you're like oh you painted your basement red, and we're like no 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 i just hate this one review from 40 years ago sure do hate it a lot i wrote it with my oscar yeah this uh from july
1: 1982 pauline kale i'll probably read this on my own time i want to see what she said to make ridley scott so upset. ridley scott is a fucking hack (laughs) (laughs) yeah it starts out ridley scott kill yourself your movie was terrible
0: yeah she coined the abbreviation kys she made it up and he was like that son of a bitch he's like she got never reading
1: another review again
0: (laughs) never again i they'll just keep giving me money and i'll keep making robots with white blood and with mullets because i love when people ask me about it and give me praise with no consequence to my actions
1: so yeah raised by wolves if i had to give it a letter grade i would probably give it a B minus, because a lot of good and interesting ideas, just like, not even necessarily poorly executed, because there are smatterings of well-executed scenes throughout, just, you know, too interposed with, like, boring nonsense, and, and at times extremely repetitive. Like, I forget if it was episode uh, 7 or 8, but it was just like, a scene where Marcus and mother are bickering, and then a scene where Marcus abusing his family, and then Marcus mother arguing again, and then he goes back to abusing his
0: family. B minus, you said? Yeah. Interesting. I thought it would be lower. I I think I actually give this series as a whole like a C plus. Okay. Just and and it's, no, it's pretty close. And it's the bootstraps of this series are by one of the best pilots I've ever seen in my entire life, and you know, as you said, a kind of a downward spiral from there with visuals and music and Amanda Collin by herself. Her back, her spine must be a goddamn right angle at this point from the amount that she carried this show and father as one of the greatest characters in sci-fi history and then all the other characters who are just the worst. And, you know, like... The Tempest killing her own rapist kind of thing was really great. Hunter's arc was good. At least he learned something from his actions. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I I liked Marcus and Sue's backstory a lot. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yep, where we got Mother's backstory, that was good too.
0: Yes, there was just too much wading water. There was just too many scenes that meant nothing. Or if they were supposed to mean something, it was too much up its own ass for me to care. And you know like when you're when i was watching the finale i was thinking to myself oh i'm surprised this is good which is not would mm-hmm. uh, not bode well for the rest of the show
1: <laughs> well i didn't i didn't love the finale but i got to say at least i was like i i was surprised by the certain plot turns like the snake
0: giant murdered flying and psychic snake yeah out. that yeah. that one was different that was that was interesting and, and
1: too again you know if if you're going to if, if your movie's going to be stupid either way, at least be stupid and original, is how I've always felt. You know, again, and I I guess I'll never stop talking about these two movies until the day I die. Um, Last Jedi, I thought, was bad, but creative and original. And The Rise of the Skywalker was bad and cliched. And, and, you know, if you had to force me to watch either of those movies, I would definitely choose The Last Jedi. Because it's at least more conceptually interesting. Though I think that they're pretty... You know, in terms of quality, they're pretty comparable.
0: I think we're watching two shows at once right now and doing two podcasts. We're doing Lovecraft and we're doing Raised by Wolves. So it has been difficult, uh, if we've even tried to, which I haven't, to not compare them this entire time. We have two more episodes, I think, right, to go. Yeah, two more episodes of Lovecraft
1: Country, and I cannot see a different result other than Lovecraft Country is better than Raised by Wolves. Me either. No matter how it ends.
0: (laughs) Yes, unless it takes a nosedive. And by the way, the main character of Lovecraft I find equally as annoying as I do Campion and Raised by Wolves, but all of the side characters' stories are just generally better. And matter more yeah. and are rooted in something, like, rooted in real life, which is an incredible attribute for a show to be. So just, like, I, I I guess gave Raised by Wolves a C+. At this moment, Lovecraft is in the B range and can get to an A-, like, if it just, like, starts blowing everything out of the water, and if they're nice to Jihad, if they're not nice to Jihad, that show can fuck itself, but like I'm it ended, Raised by Wolves did, and I was like, oh, thank god only one podcast we have to, and only one show I have to watch on HBO right now, like I was just happy for it to be over because of how oppressed I felt at points of watching it and by yeah, the way, yeah, we would never done this before two shows at once, and it was kind of tough It was tough for, but anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed or is enjoying both podcasts. I, the interesting thing to me is I bet there's some people who are only listening to Raised by Wolves and some people who are only listening to Lovecraft because our show is a bit niche in that way where if you're not watching the show, it it, is, it definitely makes the podcast better or more relevant to you if you actually right. are watching Although the show. Although
1: you say that, though, we've had a few people say like, yeah, I didn't watch the season, but I wanted to take part in the cultural dialogue about it. So I just listened to your podcast and then pretended like I had watched it.
0: Those are my favorite people they're my favorite people by far the ones who are just like i didn't watch the show i listened to two idiots describe it and um (laughs) and that i'm so i got it i'm down the clown i can sit by the water cooler tomorrow and be i can know 50 percent of the plot and also what james thinks of the last skywalker or whatever the fuck (laughs) right
1: Okay, well, thanks for joining us, guys, and thanks for listening. Um, if you're just listening, it means a lot to us. If you would like to support the show, follow us on social media. He's at WestworldRyan. I'm at James Watch's Men. We're on Facebook, the HBO Boys podcast. You can uh, also support the show financially if you'd like to hit us up on Patreon. Like we mentioned earlier, you get certain benefits, bonus episodes, a patrons-only Discord chat, as well as uh ryan shouting out your name at the end of each mainstay episode
0: i'm about to do that i'm doing it right now and it's gonna be slightly different because we got a new patron today that makes me feel really great and so here are the patrons they are anthony wells hardboiled greg nicole day 11 podcast james Watch my dong for the last time and raised by wolves
1: yeah i'm 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 watching you flying space dong
0: Yeah, the flying murder psychic space dong. Hashtag flying murder psychic space dog cliff wilding hello underscore yo Atheism this is chris wood brink and day living west world craig Bachman, john jurors major woody and carol andreas thank you for the money you dream cowboys you hashtag clementine penny for the best names and you total Devons. those are the by the way the category i'm just not making up words and phrases those are the categories on the patreon patreon.com slash hbo boys boys with a Z. go and check it out uh, if you want to be helpful you guys are being helpful yeah, that's nice of you Right and uh you can you'll catch us here next week
1: where we will have uh the next episode of Lovecraft Country. I think it's also time uh, we do a patrons only episode if you want to join us on Patreon for that. And then uh we keep talking about this. It's all prepped. We just have to run it. I have written a two-part tabletop uh RPG game for Call of Cthulhu. In honor of Lovecraft Country, that I'm hoping we will record before the season finale of Lovecraft Country, or at least before Halloween. I'd like to get the episode out on Halloween. I think that'd be nice.
0: <laughs> he's talking to you, the audience, but truly, what he's doing is being like, "So, Ryan, before what Halloween." What I really mean
1: is just to get Ryan to commit to a deadline on the show, and then I got him.
0: Yeah, no, that's why I will never commit. <laughs> i'm james wait do we still do that <laughs> yes and i'm ryan and this is the hbo boys podcast we actually really don't wait, do that no we don't We haven't done that in a long time no no saying i saying it felt a little strange <laughs> yeah but you know what though it felt right it felt right to me hbo boys bucket, bucket cookies. raised by wolves season one is over thank christ